Welcome back to the Everyone's Different podcast. We are in the building with a legend. I am Tristan Jass. We got the co-host. Young Trench. And we have an absolute monster in the building tonight. My boy Andre Adams. How you doing, bro? Doing great. Happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. No, just finest in the house. Man, nah, that's you, man. That's you. <laughs> you the man. next generation, though. Man, trying, trying to be. trying, man, trying yeah. to figure everything out and you know keep keep things going. But how you been, man? Everything good? Doing great, man. Um, you know, as you guys know, Andre Adams, IFBB pro athlete, also NASM master trainer and owner of Snap Fitness Kenosha. We've been doing some crazy stuff over the last year or so. Yes. Just kind of scaling, um, you know, the fitness brand or industry in this area, which has been phenomenal. So we've had a lot of athletes kind of mix with um, different sports, right? You got yep. basketball, uh, some of the hoopers, but then also just like our day-to-day lifestyle clients. So that's been great. Getting ready for a gym expansion this summer and a supplement store. So yeah, we got a lot coming your way in Kenosha. Yeah, yeah. So oh, explain yeah. that. You, there's a there's a store because I I work out at Andre's gym every morning, damn near when I'm in town. Yep. And um, so yeah, there's an extra there's an extra space on the end of the building. So what are you looking to do with that space exactly? Yeah. So any of you guys that have been to our gym, you're kind of familiar with it, right? Tons of strength equipment, cardio equipment, plate loaded equipment. The only thing that we were kind of lacking was really like that group functional fitness area. So we're going to add about a thousand square feet of turfed area for Mm. all of our members, all of our athletes. Nice. That'll be fun. You can do some functional stuff, TRX type work, um, sled pushes, all that stuff. And then separate to that, we've got a standalone supplement shop uh, going right up front, right off of uh, Highway 50 there in Kenosha. So yeah, definitely something to keep on your radar. And in fact, we're kind of thinking about doing a little bit of grand opening. So we Maybe should. some details to follow. I'm thinking a, a Hooper's contest. What are you thinking, TJ? Yeah, we, we actually talked about this a little bit off camera, but mm-hmm. for everyone listening, we might be doing a 2v2 basketball tournament for a cash prize with um, a supplement prize on top of that. We mm-hmm. don't know exactly how much, but could be a couple thousand dollars on the line and i think we could get some like hoopers out there yeah oh yeah and um obviously you know when there's some big money on the line people are gonna be playing hard playing for sure we're gonna bring it we're gonna bring it we'll hook you guys up with cash prize supplement stack we'll do some extra giveaways from our sponsors and who knows maybe the winner gets to play two on two against me and tj that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah that that would be be wild that would be wild i'll get in shape for that one i'll start shooting again too that's that's Uh, a whole that's two youtube videos Mm -hmm. the whole like we hosted a 2v2 tournament and then the winner of that plays Plays you you and me Mm -hmm. i like it i like it that'd be crazy yeah it could be my last dance my knees got at least (laughs) one more good game in it so you guys better be ready hey man now we played uh when did when did we do the 2v2 video like a month ago a month ago and this dude was jumping out the gym still (laughs) yeah and you said you hadn't picked up a ball in like five years been about five years yeah in fact the last time i touched one was actually um at first form headquarters ironically Mm. just goofing around and i still love it though you know as soon as you get it the shot's a little off, mm-hmm. but the yeah. handles never seem to go away for some reason. And the jumps, the hoop, you know, the hops never seem to go away. So, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So where exactly are you from? I, kn- I know we've been getting close yeah. like over the past couple months and, you know, just being in the gym and shit, talking business and stuff. Yep. But I don't really know too much like personal stuff about you and your life and your story. So like where exactly are you from and how did all of this stuff happen? 
Yeah, for sure. I'm actually born and raised right here, homegrown in Kenosha, Wisconsin. My parents are from down south. So my dad was actually in Georgia. Okay. My mom was in uh, Texas. They met in this area. Been here ever since. Um, but you know, it's been it's been a quite a crazy journey, honestly. It kind of started and evolved with basketball originally as a kid. Okay. okay. My whole childhood, all the way up until I was like early twenties. I was like, yes, it's basketball all the way, right? Huge Jordan fan growing up. Mm -hmm. Grew up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, mm -hmm. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, football, liked it, didn't love it, wasn't really my thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, then I did get into um, weights pretty much my whole life. So like 13 and up, my dad had me weight training. So that was kind of like laying the foundation for what was to come. Yep. Yeah. But got in boxing for a few years. Back in the day, racing boxing was kind of the thing, right? You're mm. like... 18, 19 years old, you're kind of lost trying to find yourself yeah. as a young man. And I always say, like, the, the boxing days turned, like, young men, uh, young boys into men. So that was, like, another foundation kind of gives you that confidence, that self-discipline, that work mm -hmm. ethic. Mm -hmm. That's probably the hardest stuff I've ever done, by the way. Uh, but then it came into, like, powerlifting and eventually bodybuilding, right, where mm -hmm. it, I kind of landed and stayed there. I've been there now for... 12 to 15 years, something like that. And yeah. um, we're just going with it, but figuring out how to also make that a sustainable career, right? How can you take that and monetize it? Yeah. That part, we'll get into that a little bit deeper later. That took a long time. Yeah. Because I was still working full time all the way up until I was 35. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my whole corporate career and then on the side, you're following your passions, you know, um, the fitness career, all that stuff. Oh, so you were like working a legit job. Yeah. And on the side, just doing the bodybuilding stuff in the, you know. Right. 50, 60 hours a week, traveling all the wow. time. And then on the weekends, I'd travel all over the world competing in bodybuilding. So we'd be and in Germany or Russia or Canada, whatever. Just What? Yeah, so you said you worked a job till 35. So how old are you right now? Yeah. Um, I'll be 38 in May. Okay. So you've yeah. been doing this like full time now for like, what, three years? Yeah, about three years. We went full time entrepreneurship. COVID. So yeah. one of the blessings that came out of yeah. COVID, we nah, pivoted. For real. The supplement shop will actually be our fourth business. So we actually launched um, an engineering firm originally. Wow. Came back, stepped out of the corporate position, which everyone thought I was nuts. Yeah. Because I worked 17 years to get there. Yeah. And climbed this corporate ladder, right? I'm all the way up at the top, uh, making a really good salary, mm -hmm. a very healthy salary. But it wasn't my passion. And mm -hmm. I knew somehow I got to figure out how to translate this business acumen into something we can do with fitness, right? Because that's where... I love being, I love coaching other athletes. I love competing. And COVID opened up an opportunity where it forced everyone to work from home. Yeah. So during that period, there was a lot of furloughs, like not enough work. People are laying off a lot of engineers and, and uh, even like marketing people, right? Trying to lower their costs. So we actually started um, a consulting firm that allowed employers to leverage our team without having like a fixed overhead, right? So you're not okay. adding headcount to your business. It's mm -hmm. just contract work. Um, if the work dries up, there's another recession or whatever, you can kind of just cut ties, right? Yeah. Mm. Not paying the benefits and stuff. So that's what initially allowed us to step out of the W-2 world, yeah. run our own business, and then free up three, four days a week where I could start to scale the the fitness business. Yep. Yeah. And we spent all of 2020, 2021 growing our online coaching business to the point where we had fully replaced the other income and we bought the gym. And it was like the Dude. boom, 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 right? It was fast. Too. That's yeah. so dope. 12 to 18 months. And now we're at the point where we're, you know, literally in our second expansion and launching the fourth business, which is the supplement store. That's wild. 
that's yeah. that is extremely fast. A matter of what two years since you two got years, the, yeah. damn, that, that is crazy. People that had to be like a good feeling though mm-hmm. to it's, replace. It feels surreal. The to like when you hit that money mark of replacing your other job, yeah. and then you're like, oh shit, now we could like put this money into other stuff right. and start For your dream, right? Yeah. If you're gonna work sixty, seventy hours a week and you're killing yourself, why not do it for your passion, mm-hmm. your dream? Why are you trying to do that yeah. to support someone else's dream that owns the business? So um, it's one of those things where people ask me all the time, like, how do I get started? How do I do it? I think <clears throat> the biggest thing is making yourself available to see and act upon the opportunities, mm. right? If you are 100% preoccupied with your day-to-day, you're just caught up in the whirlwind of a W-2 job. Yeah. And W-2 jobs are great. We need people to run 100%. businesses, right? But it's not for everybody. Yeah. And until you step out of that, you're not going to see the opportunity. Or if you do see it, you're not in a position to act on it. Yeah. Right. So, for instance, when we bought the gym, I never would have even been looking for a gym to buy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we had bought all the equipment during COVID because I was looking for it. A yeah. gym went under. We bought them all out, got it for pennies on the dollar, put it in the storage. You know, so you're actively looking at it. Uh, good analogy for you guys. You ever been? Let's take leaving snap right now right highway 50 is under construction yeah it's kind of a pain to pull out right yeah if you're like looking at your phone you're not looking at the traffic you're never going to see the opening for you to pull out onto the, onto the road as silly as that sounds yeah you never will but when you put the phone down and you're looking you see the opportunity you take it and you act on it right mm. it's the same thing in business you got to be looking for it literally yeah literally bro that's that's that was a crazy how did you come up with that right i there, was literally man? pulling on a snap when that popped in my head <laughs> i was like man that's, this is, uh, this is a, like some real life stuff right here yeah nah for real so when when you were doing all these sports you know basketball football boxing were you like you know what i'm saying better than everybody else were you like average or were you like yeah. what what was the so how'd you do I'll that i'll be honest i was blessed as a young man with great athletic genetics yeah i didn't have ironically i'm a pro bodybuilder i didn't have the um genetics to just get huge easily mm-hmm. yeah i had the strength genetic and the speed genetic yeah and i got that 100 percent from my dad he was the same way his dad was the same way um i could out jump anyone in school all the way up till adulthood um mm-hmm. i was faster than anyone in a foot race all the way up till adulthood um i mean i remember being like five foot six the first time i dumped and people were like mind blown you know um, yeah. And it was not something that I had like practice. I don't know. I could just jump high. Yeah. So uh, that definitely helps you in everything, right? Whether you're boxing, you're playing football or basketball, when you're, you've got the agility and the quickness. Yeah. Uh, now later, right, fast forward 20 something years, because of all the high impact sports, my knees started to go. And mm-hmm. from heavy training, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was squatting 600, 650 pounds for yeah. years, like 15 years, right? Yeah. So it does take its toll on your joints and stuff mm-hmm. as you get older, but. Um, that genetic man, I'm telling you, that thing. So I remember a saying in, in uh, amateur boxing. They had it pasted on the wall, and it was amateur boxing. Eighty percent of that is conditioning, right? Mm. And twenty percent is skill. And if you think about like your natural genetics and then being in good shape, that's gonna get you about eighty percent of the way as an amateur. Mm-hmm. And you probably noticed as you get to the like really elite levels, even in basketball. Yeah. Then it goes from the conditioning and the genetics to like skill and work ethic right mm-hmm. yeah you gotta have the skill at that reps point. and reps and reps yes yeah so then it shifts right where it skews it more to the skill uh end of the spectrum than just yeah. flat out athleticism yeah for sure yeah so that's where i found myself usually what about you guys though you 
So uh, you started with basketball when you were younger, right? That was like your first love? Yeah, well, not necessarily. You have so I actually started in gymnastics. Okay. So my parents put me in gymnastics, I want to say preschool, like pre-K, like yeah. the little kids class, just mm-hmm. running around, jumping on trampolines and shit. Um, here in Kenosha? <clears throat> here in Kenosha. You're probably at Scamps, huh? Scamps Gymnastics. Yeah, I was at Scamps as a kid, too, see? Man. You got that in common. That's why you're dunking. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling I'm, you. I'm a firm believer that, like, gymnastics, like, the shit that I do today, I would not be doing if it wasn't for gymnastics. Yeah, like, 100%. yeah, I'm, I'm, my dad might have gave me some athletic genes, you know, my or whatever, but when I was doing gymnastics from pre-K, I think I went all the way up to, like, fourth or fifth grade is when I quit. Mm-hmm. I was always faster, more shredded than everybody. Like, I was in yep. second grade, jacked, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. everyone would be like, what the hell? Like, I was in class doing the splits, and mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, no, he didn't. He yeah. just did the splits. Like, yeah. so I think, like, that shit made me crazy athletic. What do, you, what do you think was your biggest influence as a kid? Was it – so for me, it was intrinsic. I was just – it was two things, my dad too, but I was yeah. very competitive. Mm. Did you find that it was more of a competitive thing for you or was it like um, I had somebody that, you know, I'm aspiring to be like? Yeah, definitely, definitely competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad kind of, you know, just kind of raised me that way to be a little bit competitive, but also humble at the same time. You know, if we go yeah. win a championship, you know, yeah, we're going to celebrate, but we're not going to shit on the other team or, exactly. you know, we're going to pat him on the back and say good game. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, man, I just uh, I think gymnastics just turned me into a beast and then came around to, you know, football, baseball, basketball. And I originally thought, damn, I'm going to the NFL because mm-hmm. yeah. when I was playing football, like second grade through like middle school, mm-hmm. I was just rocking kids, bro, like. Yeah, I don't know what it was, well, but you got the agility and the quickness too. So, man, I would just—I feel bad now because I actually put a kid in a stretcher, oh, like man. like it was—it was getting crazy. I was so fast, but I would just lower my head, yeah. you know, and just rock people. I hit some kids so hard in like second or third grade that his sternum broke in half, like oh, wow. cracked in half. Yeah. So he had to go to the hospital. Like that's a that's a <laughs> wild story. He wasn't ready. That's for a it. wild yeah. story. I wonder who the, I, I I always think like I wonder who that kid was. Yeah. You know. So if you're listening, you know who that was. Slide a DM. Shoot the <laughs> DMs because I I want to apologize. But yeah, yeah. Football, baseball, basketball. Thought I was going to the NFL in middle school, yeah. and then I just fell in love with basketball. Like eighth grade, ninth grade, I was like. Man, I know I could be better than a lot of people if yeah. I just put in the work. What? Mm-hmm. Let's see. What year? What time frame were you in? Like eighth, ninth grade? Like twenty. Uh, I graduated high school in twenty eighteen. So eighth, ninth grade was probably two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a whole different group of like potential role models, you know, faces in the sport. Oh yeah. 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 So tell me about that. Like what? Um. Who do you think like inspired what ath- you? Like what athletes? Yeah, where you were just like, man, that was really cool. I mm. I, I want to do that. Man, definitely Kobe. Yeah, 100%. The Mamba. Yeah. Like, Rest in peace, Kobe. You know, listening to that like yeah. L- Lil Wayne, Kobe Bryant song. I don't yeah. know if you ever yeah. heard of that, oh, but yeah. that was like the jam back was in the day. Bag. Kobe <laughs> was a he was a monster, man. I mean, he's MJ 2.0, right? Mm. Yeah. Um. So the funny little story about Kobe for you. 
I told you I have an 800 horsepower Mustang GT in the yeah. garage, right? Yeah. It's all black, black on black. So it's all blacked out everything. Uh, and we named it, it's 2008. We named it the Black Mile. Mm-hmm. Black. Yeah. Jacoby. Yeah. Hell yeah. it's a killer. <laughs> it is, man. It's yeah. such, it's such a horrible thing how he went out, man. It like it's, I, I still can't believe it. Yeah. Mm-mm. I cried that day, man. And, um, I'm so I'm a huge MJ fan. I grew up in that era. Right. So yeah. MJ was my idol growing up. And I saw Kobe coming up from the beginning, and I was mm-hmm. just like, man, this guy is going to be the next Jordan, mm-hmm. right? And he literally was like a Jordan clone, which was insane literally, to me. Yeah. Like, you could do the side-by-side yeah. videos. Side-by-side the, side the same, right? He was his little brother. It's crazy. And, um, man, me being a father, too, of two young girls, I'm not going to lie. When that when I read that article that morning, I cried. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? I cried, too. Yeah. And then to all the other families, too, right? There was a lot of other people on there. But, man, yeah. it was just... Um, it's something that you you would never expect, especially for like one of your idols or your heroes, you know. Yeah, it was so yeah. random. Like who who goes yeah. down in a helicopter? Yeah, crash. it's so rare. Like that doesn't happen. You know, there was something about Kobe that was like he was so iconic in like his work ethic, everything. For some reason, it f- he was felt like one of those people that like he would never die. Like, right. it, like he felt invincible. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it was just so weird. It was completely random. Yeah, yep. I mean, that mindset that he has, like, mm-hmm. you know, that MJ mindset, yeah. that Kobe Killer Bryant instance. mindset. Mama mentality. Yep. Bro, like, I can't believe the amount of hours. And, like, the reason why they're one of the greatest players of all time is because of how many hours yeah. they put in the gym. Like, they're getting up 5 a.m., lifting weights, Yep, coming home, going back to the gym, putting up a thousand shots right coming back home going back to the gym and lifting weights like it's just like what the hell i think it was um malcolm gladwell the author malcolm gladwell that um made the comment in one of his books about the ten thousand hours rule right theory oh right and when you've got the ten thousand i don't care if you're playing flute i don't care if you're um learning any other skill right basketball whatever Mm -hmm. when you hit that ten thousand hour mark that's kind of like you've you've a hundred percent mastered that skill right Mm -hmm. yes and just what you said with that crazy work ethic the repetition i remember in the 90s seeing like documentaries on roy jones jr one of my favorite boxers of all time he was untouchable Mm -hmm. in the 90s and 2000s right and he was throwing his left hook Mm -hmm. and he was talking about how autonomous it is right and how there's no hindrance there's no conscious thought it's just he sees something boom and it's there mm-hmm. and he said the only way to achieve that was just repetition after repetition after repetition so yeah i think it's like that with anything you do whether it's like a business topic or it's a skill that you're learning for an athletic it sport. is 100 because yeah. like i i'm a musician and i swear when i first started making music with tristan it was one of the hardest things in the world for me like i just couldn't get anything going through my brain now yeah. it's like bro i can sit down and make a absolute hit yeah 15 minutes like it's nothing yep. it used to take us hours on hours to do a song yeah 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 man I, you probably don't even know that the reason why we're friends is because we started making music together in high school yeah Dude, that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah yeah now i'm gonna have to check out some of your stuff too yeah no man. It, you gotta make, Mo- you gotta most make of it. me a, a custom song next time i'm on stage do my <laughs> bodybuilding posing yeah, make me some custom music for that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. like the walkout song. The walkout yeah. song, yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, that yeah. comes down to him. He's the beat maker. Yeah, oh, no, I I make probably ten beats a week, just like messing around in my nice. free time. Yeah. If I was making beats, I could probably like full time. I could probably yeah. make a hundred of just them. Just crank them out. Yeah. But the reason I, I love doing it, but also um, in the background of the YouTube videos, if you use like a normal everyday song you see on the radio, yeah, 
you're going to get copyrighted, yep. mm-hmm. which means you get demonetized for that video. I was going to ask you about that because I've noticed that, right? Yeah. So then I was like, well, shit, I already know how to make beats. Why, why, why don't I just make beats and use those for the background of my YouTube videos? Yeah. So that's kind of what we've been doing. That's good. Now, can you get to a point where you can even make beats and sell them to other people? So, you know, where they can use them. Definitely. I'm just, you know, now you got my gears turned. No, for yeah. sure. For <laughs> sure. And, you know, like yeah. over the years, I've gotten really close with some of like the biggest rappers, artists in the world. And I've just I've always been thinking like, man, I could send some shit to these other rappers. Yeah. And that would also open up another, you know, another platform, revenue mm-hmm. stream, broadening out, right? Different segment. Exactly. So that, that's always yeah. been a thought, but I just plus it be know. you know how cool it would be if you like made a post and it was just like random example like in the credits NLE Chapa produced by Tristan Jazz. That'd be yeah. the craziest yeah. thing ever. But see, you yeah. guys, you guys hit on something really important here. That so my mind is always turning as we're talking. Mm. My mind's turning. It's the yeah. entrepreneurial, it's the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah. And the two things that really stand out to me of why. You're successful. Same reason I'm successful. Mm. Um, it's really the creativity mindset, right? Mm. You're not just doing one thing. You're creative. You've got this skill set that you can adapt to many different platforms, right? Mm-hmm. And then the networking. Uh, what I mean by that is us sitting here collaborating, right? Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. But your experience from traveling the, the world, man, Ooh. that is the most impactful thing. So when I talk about where I was at like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I had the same mindset. What I, The only thing I lacked I hadn't traveled the world. I was I had a Kenosha only mindset, mm. right? Once I started getting out there, meeting people, talking to people, making relationships, um, networking, collaborating, it, it was like such an accelerated entrepreneurship yeah. curve. It was insane. Just what you saw in two to three years. Yeah. It was all from traveling and experience. So Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to run into. And I'm a yeah. big person like, man, like there's a lot of negativity in the world. There's a lot of hate in this world. It costs zero dollars to be a nice person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if you're a nice person all the time, you might run into somebody that could in this, you know, a random person could just like you for being a nice for being a genuine nice person. And that person could have so much impact on your life. Yeah, it's insane. I've met so many people from traveling, even just by going out. Never know who you're going to meet, like whether it's in the club or if it's shit at the bar wherever on you never plane, know on right. a plane mm-hmm. wherever man like you never know who you're gonna meet and my big thing is like it's all about who you know yeah not what you know so and you can leverage those connections right by adding value man. to them they're gonna reciprocate it back to you man it's beautiful how it works so important um i wanted to go back though about um when you started you know making money with your entrepreneur stuff mm-hmm. you know to what was your mindset leaving your job to do what you're doing now? Like, were you, were there hard times like trying to figure it out? Because, you know, everything looks, you know, great. You're doing a great job, but I'm sure there was at some point like, damn, like, like doubt and like wanting to quit. Like talk about that a little bit. Scared as hell. That's the first emotion, right? Yeah. Um, Especially making that first move. So, what really did it for me, it, it, I think it's two things. It's building momentum and confidence when you believe in yourself, right? You got to have like full on 
self-efficacy that if I do the work, I'm going to reap the, re- the reward. And if I don't, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to find a way to work. Right. Yep. And most of the time, the businesses don't pan out the way that you think they will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the way that we ended up um, making that transition was nothing like how I envisioned it, but it actually worked out beautifully. So I think the first thing was I was I was actually working here in Kenosha for about 15 years as um, a mechanical engineer, engineering manager, and then a product manager. Mm. Um, for a company in the wastewater treatment industry, right? Oh, okay. You, I mean, it's so random, right? Yeah. But excelled, and I saw accelerated growth there, especially the last five or six years. Yeah. Got to a point where I outgrew the company and got an offer from a much larger company, basically doubled the salary, right? Wow. And it was a scary transition there because I didn't have some of the formal education requirements like the master's degree and stuff that they wanted for mm-hmm. um, a senior product management role. Okay. And they made an exception because once I interviewed, they're like, holy shit, this guy's, he's getting, he knows what he's talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Got in there, leapfrogged all of my, my colleagues within the first six months, mm. right? By year two, I actually was the leading senior product manager there and they rolled a lot of value streams underneath my position. Um, then in my head, I'm like, wow, 18 months, yeah. you know, into this. And not only did I wash, rinse, repeat, I did it even better than what took me 15 years prior, right? Mm. So at that point, I'm like, look, if I can run a $100 million business for someone else, why can I not run my own business, right? That makes zero sense. So let's just refocus all of that energy into our own business and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look at it as if you were at work, what would you do? I'm not going to let it fail. Um, You would figure it out. So we did the same thing. And you got to be smart, right? Because I, I have kids. I got responsibilities. We got obligations. 100%. I got a wife, right? Um, and that was me being like, you know, the bread maker. Um, you got you to gotta cover those bases. So if you're familiar with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you've got that safety and security is that first one. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the other phases like, you know, um, the financial aspect and all that stuff. Once you, you cover the food and security, you can take a little bit more risk up here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because then you're, you're focusing more on achieving happiness and fulfillment and purpose than just, you know, cash flowing. I'd rather, I'd rather make 200 a year and be happy as all hell, content, not killing myself working a hundred hours a week, than make 500 and be so miserable that I can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's that threshold. And that's where I was at about two years ago. Um, but it, it basically gave us the, the funds to cover the risk as we transitioned and then yeah. scaled the online coaching so that it just completely re- replaced the other income. Yeah. yeah. And then the gym is just like, all right, now we're, now we're, we're making big changes, right? These are step changes now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting, but everyone's journey is going to be different there too. Yeah. Um, if I had to redo the whole thing all over, it might look completely different yet again. So you mentioned, um, like they gave you that position at that job without having a master's degree. Did you actually go to college at all or do you have a degree at all or did you not go to college or? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. Um, so here's how my, we'll call it the formal education side evolved as an engineer, which is where I started. I actually went to Lakeview Tech Academy. Um, okay. I was one of the first graduating classes out of there. They came in 98. We're going Lake, old school. You're yeah. talking about like right across the street <coughs> from the Rexplex? Yeah. yeah. So when they oh. first opened it in the 90s, late 90s, I was one of the first classes there. I think I was the third graduating class out of there. Yeah. And um, that kind of, you know, kind of pre-set me on this pathway at the time to become some kind of engineer. 
yeah. I because my dad was like big in the cars. That's why I have, you know, a Mustang and a yeah. Nova today. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, gearhead all the way. Let me just become a mechanical engineer. I like this stuff. I like tinkering, taking things apart, figuring them out. So they gave us all like the foundational skill set. And by 16, I actually had um, what do you call it, like a youth options apprenticeship program at Snap-on Hand Tools. Okay. No way. Which was nuts. So I was 16, and like the average age in their engineering department's like 50. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of weird for me, but it gave me all this. I would just say it made me level up mentally. You know, also made me mature a little bit faster because mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna say know. it probably made you mature being, being yeah. especially being around older people. Yeah. You know, constantly what I mean? around adults. Right, and you know, you know how we are at sixteen, right? Yeah. We're we're goofy ass boys, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing yeah. pranks and doing weird stuff. <laughs> ding yeah. dong ditching, ding dong ditching. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hell so yeah. you know, putting that cap on made me um, definitely mature a little bit faster. So it kind of again just reset me on this mechanical engineering course. Um, I'm actually a Gateway Tech alumni. Uh, originally, I got a two-year degree in mechanical design, mechanical engineering technology, and um, stayed the course at my first employer. Uh, well, my first full-time employer. So I had the apprenticeship gig at Snap-on. Yeah. And then went at 18 to Centrisis Corporation, stayed there 15 years, which is nuts. Oh, like, wow. you don't see so that, that was your, That was your 15-year. That was yeah. the 15-year run. And I started wow. from, like an entry level designer like CAD person yeah. to a leading mechanical engineer to one of only two of the machine designers to an engineering manager to a product manager and wow. in, in involved in sales. So it was like, boom, you know, it was quick. Yeah. Um, because of that, I never really, and I wasn't sure because I, I, I switched kind of career path. I went from this engineering role to a more sales and marketing focused product yeah. management mm-hmm. role. So I was about halfway through going back online through Arizona State University at the time of finishing my engineering management degree Okay. and switched roles into product management. I'm like, all right, well, do I really need to be taking differential equations and calculus three for, a, you know, a product management sales role? It doesn't really make sense. And it's expensive. Yeah. So switched then to um, technology entrepreneurship management. Highly recommend this degree for anybody who's listening one of the most valuable things um, I've ever done. And that technology entrepreneurship management didn't even finish the degree. The reason I didn't is because I ended up retiring Mm. (laughs) altogether from the corporate world. So I don't really need it at this point. Mm -hmm. But the classes and the material that I learned there were just phenomenal. Yeah. The reason that it was so impactful for me is because I was actively living an entrepreneurship life as I was taking these classes. Mm. And it was just amazing. I could read these business development principles, uh, competitive strategy, management, and I'm I'm actively applying those day in and day out. Yeah. So it was like, holy crap, I'm learning like the formal stuff, but I've got the informal experiential knowledge of actually doing this shit and doing it at a really high level for many years. Yeah. So that's that's really I think what gave me those that skill set that shined you know with or without the master's degree they're just like hey this guy knows his shit so i think the difference today like for, for people that are out in the w2 world the formal education is less impactful or less important now than it was maybe 20 30 years ago yeah yeah you would not have got like that position that job without the degree back then now employers are like look if they got the skills to do this job and do it at a high level hire them yeah right? so for everybody out there uh, that doesn't understand, you should let them know what you mean by W-2 yeah. world. Yeah, so the W-2 world, right, that's um, that's the mousetrap. That's your uh, nine to five. 
Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and there's, again, th- that we need people in those roles. And some of those roles are really good. Yeah. yeah. If you have a really hard driven entrepreneurship mindset, that's something that they don't, you know, generally teach in school mm-hmm. and you feel trapped, it's probably a calling that there's something greater out there calling you, waiting for you. 100%. Um, one thing I'll say that I've, I've seen so many people fail at. So let's talk about that, right? People that want to become an entrepreneur. Um, a, you got to get comfortable with failure, but B, you got to pay your dues, man. There's a lot of people that are like, I'm only going to work for something that I feel passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, well, that's cool. But you do have to understand financial. You do have yeah. to understand uh, taxes. Yeah. You got to understand algorithms if you're on social. No, you're so right, you got to like man, pay your dues. Right. No one likes doing that part of it. They just want to do the fun shit. Yeah. Um, so just staying grounded and recognizing that you still have to build this while you're pursuing those passions yeah yeah you gotta lay the I'm, groundwork yeah i you know people ask me all the time like how like what should i do if i want to start making youtube videos what do you and i i'm like well first of all i love what i do i love basketball yeah. i make a lot of basketball content it doesn't feel like a job like i don't wake up every morning like shit i gotta go make a video today right like this shit is fun so i i try to tell people do what you love to do but then again it's it is very hard to build that platform you know what i'm saying to monetize it right to monetize it so you you do have to like if you're gonna go that entrepreneur route you gotta put your head down and go yeah you feel me just like how you did yep just kind of like how we did we were sneaking into gyms in high school Mm -hmm. on school nights in there until 4 a.m trying to make a trick shot because we knew yeah. it was going to go viral yep so like you do have to you could do what you love but you got to put in the, you definitely do have to put in the dirty work oh, to for sure. build yeah. that thing you know and i think a problem with a lot of people is like with music people ask me like how do you start with youtube people ask that but the problem is a lot of people are like way too scared to actually start like i feel like people are very thrown off by what other people might think of them and they actually just never get into what they want to yeah. do right that is a big thing i feel like what do they say like opinions kill dreams or something like I mean, you know yeah, what i'm saying like yeah. external validation too yeah. much weight placed on that right mm-hmm. i think like especially for the younger crowd people tend to look at the outcome and they say i want that yep but they don't understand the ten thousand hours that it took mm-hmm. to get to exactly. that exactly so people see like when when you see me post um our athletes or myself on the Olympia stage, right? Yeah. And right away people are like, sign me up. I want to be a competitor. Because they think that they can just hop on stage, right? Do like a little twelve week prep and they're gonna look like how we look on Olympia, not realizing I've been doing this stuff since I was twelve years old. Mm. Right. And there's probably more than a lot more than ten thousand hours yeah. that go into that. Um so just recognizing that you gotta pay your dues and do yeah. the fundamental things. The other thing, and this is a good question for you guys, I see a lot of is people will start out doing those things Mm -hmm. and then they feel like I've made it, right? Mm. I've made it. I've got the platform. I've got the brand awareness. People know who I am. And they stop doing those fundamental things that got them there. And then they fall off. Whereas the successful, really successful ones, we're grinding. I'm still doing the stuff I was doing 10 years ago that got me here. Exactly. And it don't matter if we made it already. Yeah, because we've never truly made it. Other people might think we've made it, but you're already thinking about. Look at MJ. He's he's selling the um, the Bobcats right now, isn't he? Is like, he? I like, don't I don't know. I just saw. So Google this stuff. 
while we're sitting here, if one of you guys got a phone, Google this. I'm pretty sure MJ this week is looking at selling his ownership stake, which is whatever, like 95%. Yeah. Uh, we're talking like two billion bucks, right? Wow. So you would think by now MJ's kind of made it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of got that goat title. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have it, he's right there. Yeah. And um, financially, we know he's made it, but he's already looking at the next thing. Yeah. I've owned a team. That's cool and all. I'm gonna flip it, right, for like tenfold of what I paid for it, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go over here and do something else. Exactly. So you've never truly made it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a firm believer in that. Like for me, you said it perfectly. Yeah, we've. You know, we got however many million subscribers, you know, followers, whatever you want to say. But like, if I stop posting for the next six months and I go ghost and I come back, it might not be the same. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Yep. As I don't know, I'm I'm a very firm believer in that. Like, that's why we're all we're still going. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we built up this shit like crazy, but like we literally can't stop because if we stop, the business stops. Yeah, That's we're right. we're never satisfied. We have meetings about this all the time. Also, Ronnie was confirming that that is true. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, the the. So you, you guys have seen my hashtag that we trademarked. We coined it the "Ain't Done Yet" mindset. Ain't done it's yet. Infinite mindset. Mm-hmm. Yep. MJ ain't done yet, right? Yeah. Um, a little note on that too, because you guys will love it. You you guys live by this principle, and you might not even know it. So if you think about, I think it was Simon Sinek that talked about um, infinite mindset, right? And if you've got the finite mindset, so let's take me as a bodybuilder. Yeah. I want to step on stage and win first place. Yep. That's a finite mindset. I can't go any higher than that. It's clearly defined, right? I'm Mm -hmm. in a box. Versus I want to become the best every single time Mm -hmm. I step on stage. I want to have a better version of myself every time I step on stage. That's infinite mindset. There's no limit to it, right? Yeah. And that's what Ain't Done Yet's about. So whether you're a hooper, you're a bodybuilder, you're a business professional, you got to have that ain't done yet mindset where you're continuously improving. Yeah, yeah. I definitely yep. am in the infinite side because one thing with me is I'm like I'm like the type of person who's not even driven by money or anything. Like everything for me is 100% like I just want to be better than I was last year at like music. Like I, that's all I give a fuck about. I want to yep. look back at my songs and be like this shit was garbage. You are that man now. Right. Like, I, that's all I care about is being better at what we are doing. It's the progress, bro. It's it all is. that matters. Trust in the process and believing in what you're doing. Yeah, because right. if you're improving every single year, every single day, whatever you're doing, whether it's a business, whether it's any, literally anything, you're going to get the benefits yeah. from that. Yeah, and man, it's it's such a cool thing. Like, when you put in the work mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I started taking basketball seriously, being a small point guard, I knew I had to have the best handles. No right. one's taking the ball for me. So what did I do? Every single day from probably seventh or eighth grade all the way up till I was done in high school, like, literally, like, once a day, I would either be in my driveway, I would be in the basement, I would be, you know, I didn't really have a gym membership growing up as a kid um until like later in high school Mm -hmm. but um i would be just doing ball handling drills all the time yep whenever i had free time because i knew if i could find 30 minutes in my day to set aside to do some ball handling drills if i do that every day for a year then how good am i going to be with my ball handling skills Mm -hmm. right so that that was a cool thing to see. You get to see when you put in the work, the prog the progress, 
and then it becomes addicting. Yeah. Like, I'm getting this good. What happens if I do it for another year? How good am I going to get? So that that was a cool that's yeah. a cool thing. Yeah. I think another thing that people don't realize either is like I think people take for granted the journey to getting to like where you want to be because when we think back to like when we were really really grinding in 2018 or something Mm. those are still some of the best moments we've ever had way cooler than anything yeah that's happening now like yeah you, we yeah. look back at grind. yeah like we look back at being in his grandma's basement still is some of the coolest shit we ever did even though like we were broke as fuck like but those are the moments that define everything that we are right now yeah uh, and, and and I wish we could go back and do it all. That's what over I'm saying. Again. Like that's some 100 right. People take yep. advantage of that. It is so important to remember that, like when you're on that journey, that's yeah. the best part. Sometimes, yeah, you so. got to really like enjoy it. I wish I, yeah, I was so like focused on just getting, like I wanted to be famous. Mm -hmm. I wanted to yep. prove everybody who talks shit about me wrong. Like you got to enjoy it. Sit back a little bit and enjoy it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's a long journey, man. It's the process that defines you. So I love that you guys hit on that because I'm a huge believer in that too. Mm -hmm. um, I actually spoke on a first forum video uh, a few years back on exactly that. And it was entitled um, Falling in Love with the Process. Yep. Mm. Right. So again, people see the outcomes. They want the outcomes and they base all of their validation on the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, maybe things pan out the way you envision. Maybe they don't. But if you fall in love with the journey of reaching that goal, you're unstoppable because you're not going to quit. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you just got to go go through it over and over. I think it was Tim Grover. You know, Tim, right? Yep. So Tim and it was either winning or relentless. He talks about when people feel like they've made it and they. they oh, did you read those books? Oh, hell yeah. I own I own both copies and Great. an audiobook. Great. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I love the analogy he used about winning right you kind of reach your destination you take this bus and um you know you get on the bus it's got a sign on it that says winning right and you reach this pinnacle right but as soon as you leave the after party the bus it's the same bus waiting for you when you come out but now it says hell because you got to go through hell all over again if you want to stay at the top and continue mm, to win yep and that was like that that shit resonated with me man because you know you think you went through this journey and i'm here now i've arrived but guess what you got to keep going through it. You got to love it. And you got to keep pushing yourself through that journey mm, to stay on top. Right? That's crazy. You say that I, for the past like year or two, I've been saying that like, we got to go back to hell and yes. fucking work our way out to get back to the top again. Yep. Like sometimes you have to do that. You got to, you got to remember that feeling, what it was like in the basement, yep. right? What it was like sneaking in the gym. You got to remember what it took for you to get to where you're at today. And sometimes revisit it. it keeps you grounded, keeps it fresh for you. Mm. Man, we gotta go revisit Grandma's basement, man. <laughs> Back go, grandma's basement. Just go sit down there for a <laughs> sec and be like, man. I mean, even metaphorically, we just have to get back in. We have to like stay in that exact mindset. Like this, yeah. we're not shit. Like you we're always have shit. to think, like we're not shit. Ain't done <laughs> yet. Not done, we ain't done yet. yet. Exactly. We, we ain't done nothing. yet, man. I'm that's like, you, man. so you trademarked that. I trademarked it because. Once I put it out there and everyone understood it, they were speaking and living ain't done yet already. They just didn't realize it. Well, so many people are yeah, around the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's fire. So what did you get, like a website and stuff? or what is? No, we just did a U.S. patent and trademark, um, you know, just for branding, marketing purposes. You're going to get like shirts going and shit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So all of our team, if you follow us on social media, everyone uses the ain't done yet hashtags. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, it's a code that we live by, honestly. So every time I wake up and I'm feeling overwhelmed and, you know, you almost get to the point where it's like business is too good, where I'm like, I'm drowning right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I I have to recenter myself and think about that exact sentiment. Like, no, we ain't done yet. Everything that you're living today is stuff that you were wishing for five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were wishing to get to this point. Yeah. And now you're here. So what are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. That's crazy you say that. Like, I always think, like, what would I think? Like, where I'm at right now, what would my, like, 16-year-old self think? Or, like, I go back to even, like, my grandpa Jass, rest in peace, my dad's dad. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a huge fan of me before I was a fan of myself. Like, he yeah. saw the potential in me, and he would tell everybody when he's going out to McDonald's to get a coffee Wednesday mornings with all of his buddies that he used to work with. Mm-hmm. He would even tell my brothers, like, everyone, like, Tristan is going to be something. And I, I wish he was here to see this shit mm-hmm. because he told everybody. Yeah. And now, like, I don't know, shit's just crazier now, yeah. and I wish he was able to see That's that. That's going to be your motivation, though, internally, when things get hard. Because out of every, like, 10 years, what's the rule of thumb? Like, 10 years in business, you're going to have, like, you know, six, seven great years. You're going to have one or two years that almost completely break you. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have one or two phenomenal, out-of-this-world years. Exactly. And whenever you go through those tough years, you're going to think about that. Your grandpa believed in you. Right. And that's something that you can use as intrinsic motivation to push a little harder. No, you're right. Yep. So we got a trip coming up. Yeah, we do. St. Louis. St. Louis, first form in the house. So, yeah, this is going to be a fun one for, for you guys that don't know. Um, I've actually been a sponsored athlete with first form for, gosh, a decade now. A 2013, decade? 2013. No way. Since the beginning. So shout out to my guy, Andy Frisella, Cody Klein, the whole team over there. Um, Nick Clements. They've, they've done such a phenomenal job. Um, if you haven't, you know, listened to Andy's podcast, always dropping just insane entrepreneurship knowledge and just basic life skills. Right. Yeah. So that's always something that helped kind of mold and shape my mindset from, from the early days. But, um, you know, that's going to be a fun one for us, man. I'm excited to go down. Um, their headquarters is in St. Louis and it's actually right next door to an Amazon. And I haven't even been to, they just, constructed a second building they're like twice the size of amazon which is insane wow. to yeah me. what did you yeah. say the square footage was on that building i want to say it's somewhere in the ballpark of like three hundred thousand square feet on the first building and i'm not sure how big the second is maybe 180 200 square feet so you're talking like half a million square feet it's yeah. insane that is wild so you know the, what the hell do they have in there everything it's like willy wonka factory for you guys that are not <laughs> familiar if you've been to summer smash you've seen it so this year June, I think it's the first week of June. Um, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say it, but I'm going to say it today. It's going to be around the first week of June. Every year we do Summer Smash down in St. Louis. Yeah, It's like a big first form party. They bring in crazy celebrity guests like Nelly and all kind of artists. Um, you know, it's it's a blast, but you get to tour the headquarters mm-hmm. and it's amazing. They've got like, be, beyond all this, the, the supplements, obviously, which is the core of their business, they're huge on leadership and entrepreneurship mindset. Mm. Everyone that, works in the factory has an opportunity to get educated get certified through nutrition and training and then work their way up into the offices and then start working their way up that corporate ladder and they give you all the tools and resources to do it there's a legit library in first form where you go in and you have to spend so many hours reading a book right self-enlightenment self-help 
just to elevate your mindset. So it's it's one of the most phenomenal things that I've ever seen. You'll see when we're down there. Yeah. But on top of that stuff, then you got the cool shit. So there's a whole indoor football arena. There's an NBA-sized basketball court. There's a gym that's probably twice the size of my gym, right? Mm-hmm. They got a gym that's like twice the size of Snap in headquarters, which is insane. Yeah. Um, you know, all kind of fun stuff. So I'm excited to come down there. We'll definitely do some 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 kind of trick shots, or we'll we're going to do some wild. Some we're going to do some viral shit. Yeah. In the we're first gonna make, forum headquarters. Maybe we'll have Andy do um jump in the game with us. That would be fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then we're going to yeah. do some podcasting down there. Absolutely. Um, I think, what is their podcast called? It's, they're pretty So Andy's poppin'. is, um, like, oh yeah, he's, I think he had the number one um, entrepreneurship and business podcast wow. for several years now. The MFCEO project. Yeah. Um, then there's the Real AF, or Real as fuck. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he's got a couple different platforms, but um, definitely Andy's always a blast to just pick his brain. Um, and he loved to connect with other people like ourselves to share that same entrepreneurship yeah. mindset. So yeah. when you signed with them like a decade ago, yeah, they weren't like what they are now, obviously, right? Right. They were just starting out. The crazy thing is they had an athlete search. I had just got my IFBB pro card at the NPC Nationals that year. I was all like, yeah, I'm so a pro what, now. What, you know? what exactly is that? Yeah. So uh, the pro card or the or the athlete search? The pro, card. the pro card yeah so yeah. for you guys that are not familiar with bodybuilding all the amateur athletes that are competing are trying to become ifbb professional athletes okay so that means you're a pro athlete right in order to do that you've got to first qualify at a regional show so the local shows which are still very competitive mm-hmm. um around here we've got a lot of shows between you know npc illinois shredded cheddar here in wisconsin yeah and once you um crack like the top five there or you win your class then you can qualify to then compete in a national show much harder right so now you're weeding out some of the people who maybe aren't as good and now to become an ifbb pro you've got to win your height class or win an overall national show which means you're mm. a national champion so you won a national championship so here's the thing is in the npc so it's grown exponentially uh and that's short for national physique committee um they they've grown so much that back in the day it used to be just the overall winner one pro card so oh, okay you guys remember like american gladiators kind of before your time but they brought it back in the like 2000s mm-hmm. uh, all right so some of those american gladiators were ifbb pro bodybuilders okay it was really hard to go pro back then you get one crack you got to win the overall which means you got to beat everybody now you can for the really really big shows there's so many competitors i mean we're talking like 1500 competitors damn there used to be like 300 okay so there's like 1500 in one show in one show spread out over different divisions and classes so you got the physique divisions bodybuilding for women you got bikini figure wellness etc and now at the really big ones it's the top one or two in each height class so you still might have 30 40 people that are all nationally qualified in your height class yeah then to win overall you got to beat the winners of all the other high classes. Yeah. It's really hard to do. I actually turned pro. Mine was a weird one. I turned pro off of a second place finish at NPC nationals to the, um, now four time Mr. Olympia champ, uh, in men's physique, which is Brandon Hendrickson out of Chicago. We, we came up together and always we're the same height. So we'd always be competing neck and neck every show. Yeah. And, uh, it's crazy. We both turned pro at that show. I won right away. I ended up winning Lou Ferrigno's pro show. 
Got invited to the first ever Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic for Men's Physique Pros. Wow. In Columbus. Got to meet really cool people like Hulk Hogan and Evander Holyfield. Wow. It's insane, you know? Legendary. Yeah, and then to the Mr. Olympia from there. So it was like this boom, 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 holy crap, 12 months into this sport, and um, I'm somebody. Yeah. Um, So that's really what built my platform in the bodybuilding community is just that accelerated growth. but. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty crazy. So the IFBB pro level, that just means you got your pro card. You can now earn money, um, you know, when you win shows. Yeah. And you're one of the elites. But there's levels to this. So even as a pro, there's a big gap between the pros and the Olympians. Mm. So you got to be a pro champion to then get to the Olympia, right? And then you're on stage with 30, 40, 50 other Olympians. So it's just, man, it just keeps going. It's harder and have harder. You, have you tried to get to that stage? Yeah, so I've been on the, I've been on every stage. So oh, I so you, you've done the Olympia stuff. Yeah, so 2015 was um, my first Olympia experience, which was really awesome. Um, I qualified off of the pro win at the Frigno Legacy in 2014. Okay. And, um, you know, it was cool, man. I ended up placing like 13th out of 36 pro athletes. Physique showdown, that was a phenomenal experience. It was one of those two where like just a year prior, I was looking at, I'll call it my idols at the time in the sport. Mm-hmm. And I fast forward 12 months, I'm on stage trying to beat these guys, right? Yeah, so I'm pumping crazy. up in the back pump room and I'm looking at the guys that I've been idolizing like, idols holy shit, I'm going to try and beat these guys. To rivals. To rivals. Mm-hmm. So you've arrived, right? I haven't made it, but I've arrived. And it was a surreal experience you know the same year i ended up placing top seven at the arnold classic it was actually the inaugural event first time they had ever hosted pro men's physique and they only invited the top 10 in the world that year which was truly special that i got the invite yeah wow you yeah. got invited as a top 10 in top the 10, world the very first arnold classic men's physique pro showdown only 10 athletes invited um handpicked by uh Lorimer and uh and arnold right so wow. that what? was like an incredible thing um so and that that's interesting too, right? So the Olympia is considered the Super Bowl, right? The epitome of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But the Arnold Classic's right there. It's also the largest multi sports event on the planet, and you can't qualify for it. You can only get invited to it. Okay. So to me, that was like the greatest thing ever. I got to do both in the same year, qualified for one, got invited to the other. So Damn, truly special. That is wild. That's amazing. Yeah. Where where are some like crazy places that bodybuilding because I know like for me, like the this basketball, this orange ball has taken me across yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. Literally, Japan, Abu Dhabi, Paris, like just crazy, yep. crazy places. Where has bodybuilding like taken you? You've probably been yeah. crazy places, right? All over the place. Um, even just me as the athlete. So me as a coach is a whole nother experience. But just as an athlete, I've competed all over the world, really, you know, Canada, Germany, Russia, you name it. Um, the Russia one was a very Russia. interesting one. So yeah. when was that? Yeah, let's Not touch recent, on that. Right? Ironically, it was right after the Olympia. So they only okay. did the, so they, they've got different shows and promotions that go on that particular year. Um, the Russia was called the Naval pro show was, I think the very next show after Olympia. So I'm like, look, I'm coming in, I'm fresh off the Olympia stage. I'm a new man, right? I'm shining like new money. Mm-hmm. Let me go get this yeah. money across the globe. <laughs> yeah. And at the time I had, placed ahead of one of my good buddies out there um uh dennis who you know he he struggled a little bit here in the states phenomenal physique great athlete super nice guy um it's tough for the european athletes here because the judges aren't familiar with them there's a little bit different look in my opinion that they go for overseas Mm -hmm. so now it was like all right i'm going here i beat this guy multiple times um i got the big name 
So let's go see what happens. Yeah. So sign up for the show, right? Phenomenal promotion at the time. Um, and they kind of pitted me and Dennis against each other. So do they do that in bodybuilding? Like how they do with like MMA and boxing? Like it's. They, they, they tend to. Like in is there certain like. Circumstances like. Like they, they try to build some hype. Right. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think like like press conferences did you have to yeah. do any shit like that or i like- did i did so that was one of the first times that i had ever done a press conference historically that's usually reserved like at the olympia for like open bodybuilding right you would have back in the day like ronnie coleman and jay cutler mm-hmm. yeah. you would have um phil heath and kai green and they didn't get along right they genuinely disliked each yeah. other yeah and i got to experience that actually with the russia show um I didn't even know I was doing a press conference. I literally got dropped off by a limo at the event and then hadn't slept in like 15 hours. And they're just like, yeah, you're doing a press conference. And there was a translator. So it was yeah. like, didn't even get to go to my hotel room. It was straight into a press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting there in itself was quite the experience. So this is like 30 year old Andre at the time. Yeah. And I had been accustomed to traveling a lot, but I hadn't done a lot of international travel. Yeah. So I was underprepared for that. Um, a couple things there as a bodybuilder, especially on peak week, your final week, you're so meticulous about everything you're putting in your body. Every grain of rice, you're weighing it, right? Um, your water, your sodium, wow. your protein. It's like every two and a half hours, you're that specific. And trying to manage that on a 14, 15 hour flight with, tra- you know, with transfers and all that, really difficult for one because you got to bring all your food with you. Mm-hmm. So that was one issue that was new for me um, and made me really respect when the European athletes come over here, I'm like, wow, they have to do this every time. Yeah. Um, but the night before I get this email and in the email, it was from the U S embassy. It actually advised for me to not travel because of the level of danger. It was high risk. Wait, the night before you're about to hop on a before plane, I'm about to hop out to a plane to yeah. go to Russia. I literally was in Russia for like 36 hours and right back. That was it. Damn. Um, and it was wild. Like, an Israeli plane had just got shot down the day before. And I guess there was all this international turmoil, right? As uh, allies to Israel, they were kind of putting Ooh. a lot of heat on the U.S. Um, and the biggest thing, it was also their National Pride Week, which is kind of like our 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And I guess because of the international turmoil that was happening and then the year prior, something similar happened. And people that were not from Russia were being attacked in the streets. So this was um, basically sent to me 24 hours out, and I'm like, well, shit, I'm already under contract. I'm going. I'm already peaked out for this show. Yeah. I'm just going to roll the dice, right? And I'm going by myself, too. <laughs> so this was, like, probably not the smartest thing. So don't don't be Andre. But I did take the flight out. And the crazy thing is they had even sent me a list of the top 10 type of people that it was recommending to not go. And number one on the mm-hmm. list was U.S. African-American male. Oh, yeah. The reason why is because – you stand out like a sore thumb, mm-hmm. right? And they can obviously tell that you're not Russian. Mm-hmm. So I was number one on the list. I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to be coming for me, right? There's a target on my back. Yeah. And then they also sent me a map, and it said the two areas to avoid. Downtown St. Petersburg and downtown Moscow. Literally had it zoned out. My fucking hotel is right in the yep. middle of the <laughs> No. <laughs> Dead serious. Right in St. Petersburg. Right in the epicenter of the area they highlighted. But did, you didn't – no one was messing with – did you get, like – no, so look, the the promoter, his name was Dennis also, and he, he didn't really speak English. He was always um, messaging me through translator apps. Super, super nice guy. Can't thank him enough. He made it so comfortable for the athletes. It's honestly one of the best shows I've ever done. He had actually sent or prearranged um, a limo 
to pick up all the IFBB pro athletes from the airport. So they had people there standing there with signs for our, each of us. Nice. There was like other athletes, male and female from like Norway and Finland and Italy and just all over, all over. I think I was the only us athlete and they picked us up in the limo, transported us directly to the hotel. So you don't want to use any, um, public transport, public transportation, for, yeah, transportation yeah. if you can avoid it. Right. And you definitely don't want to be caught like walking around on the streets. Mm-hmm. So it took us straight there. I got off of uh, or out of the limo, took us straight into a press conference. It was actually really fun. They hyped up this beef between me and uh, the other athlete, mm-hmm. right, the Russian athlete. Um, it was really cool, man. I ended up, uh, I don't even know. The whole thing was a blur because I was so tired. And so it, it happened so fast. Yeah. yeah. But I ended up taking um, a second place finish to my buddy, which I kind of knew it was going to happen. You're in Russia. It's probably his only chance to qualify for the Olympia. They're going to go with the hometown hero, mm-hmm. if it's even kind of close. Yeah. And it was kind of close. Yeah. We, uh, he brought it that day. I would say we're probably dead even. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually didn't have any beef with him, um, you know, qualifying. I still got Olympia points. He got the automatic qualification. Yeah. Um, still made good money on the show. Interesting thing about that, though, on the way back. So all the hype that they made, um, it's kind of like when they forecast there's going to be a blizzard and three feet of snow and you mm-hmm. get like an inch. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. I did have to take a taxi from my hotel back to the airport. So I was a little nervous about this, right? And it's a long, like 50 minute taxi ride. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of nervous. And I didn't know if the guy would even speak English. The guy actually spoke some broken English. Okay. Could kind of communicate and um, didn't have any problem. This guy was so nice. He's like giving me a tour on the way. Yeah. And, it was really sad looking too. Everything was dark and depressing there. Really? And I was yeah. like, is it always like this? He's like, yeah, it's kind of always like this. Russia. Check this out, man. So I get to the airport, right? Um, I'm like, cool. I made it out alive. I'm going to go catch my flight home. I get like 10 steps in the airport and I'm like, oh shit, where's my phone? No. I swear to God. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like my phone, I had jogging pants on with some sweats. Shit. My phone had fallen on my yep. pocket in the taxi. Stop. I can't call for help. I can't call home, back to the U.S. Oh. So I'm about to have a heart attack, mm-hmm. right? And I just kind of laughed to myself like, you would do something like that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, man, I walk back outside and I sit down. I'm like, all right, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there for about five minutes just trying to think. And I'll be damned. The taxi driver saw my phone in his, in the seat, mm. drives around, loops around the airport, comes back and comes to find me. He said, sir, you forgot your phone. I thought you might need this. Wow. What? And I'm like, holy shit, man. They, you know, they hyped up how bad this was going to be. This yeah. was like the greatest experience ever. So it gave me perspective, <laughs> if nothing else, man. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Because in America, I feel like oh, they would have took my stuff. It's gone. Yeah, I would have been exactly I'd stranded for sure. So cool experience, man. Um. Yeah, I think getting out and being able to do that, especially when it's for something that you love, like one of our sports. Yeah. Man, take advantage of that. You know, whenever you can, get out there, build some relationships, network, get the experience. That's crazy 100%. because I think, yeah. it's, I think it's like really hard to go to Russia now. Like It is. Like, it is. Damn, probably, near, d- like, damn near impossible and you probably don't want to do it. You don't. You probably <laughs> wouldn't want to go right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. no there's, that's what I'm saying. Like, war, it's, so. You wouldn't want to do it. The other people I've seen do it is like Nelk. Right. Roy Jones Jr., he's dual citizenship. Oh, yeah. wow. Because he started the uh, the boxing stuff out there. But it, he started it before all this happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hell, yeah. That's crazy. So 36 hours in Russia. That was it. In and out, man. Um, everything was strange there, too. Like, I remember 
having to try and communicate through the app, mm. like the translator. Yep. App. Yeah. Because, you know, you kind of figure like, all right, somebody in the hotel will speak English. Mm-hmm. That was a bad assumption. Yeah. Not <laughs> Nobody. a soul spoke English. No, it was Damn. bad. In the airport, I was expecting like maybe some multi-language things, maybe even Spanish. Give me a little Spanish. I'm half Mexican, right? Yeah. yeah. Nothing. It was all Russian and they don't even use our, our alphabet. So it was it was kind of intimidating. Oh, yeah. They don't use our alphabet at all. No, so you, can, you know, like with Spanish or anything else latin you, you can kind of stumble through some of it mm-hmm. pick up a word here and there i can i i can even recognize my own name in yeah Russian, so that <laughs> was, should just look like hieroglyphic it looked like hieroglyphic literally or like chinese to me yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it was it was a humbling experience but at the same time i would probably i would do it all over again but i would do it a lot smarter mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah do it differently maybe do, do, do a little differently maybe yeah. book your own hotel not in the exact part of where you shouldn't be too yeah, not lose my phone. <laughs> yeah. Bring a charger that actually works with their voltage for yeah. my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that's so. crazy. Where else has it taken you? Any anywhere um, else yeah. outside the country besides Russia? Germany was interesting. I think you said a couple of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, Germany was another tough, tough show. Um, I don't think it was as well put together, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as as fluid of an experience. Believe it or not. Um, the interesting thing too, is when we travel for something like a bodybuilding competition Yeah. to mo- to some people that sounds like uh, vacation, right? Sounds like fun, leisure for me, it's a 110% business. You are so laser focused. I want to get to my hotel. I want to get in my room. I, I want to lay all my meals out for the day. I want to lay all this stuff out. I want to get my training. I want to get mm-hmm. my posing. I want to talk to my coach. Man. You ain't even thinking about what's outside. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, cause people, when they're traveling, they want to experience food, the culture, mm-hmm. nightlife. Um, now maybe if you have the time or the luxury to stay an extra couple of days, you're going to do that. But otherwise, man, I've done, you know, all these shows all over the world. Very, very rare. Do you, um, usually get to stay and enjoy that? Yeah. Well, yeah. you can't go out and just eat everything that they have because you, you're keeping your physique. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep your physique correct. Damn, that's Hell crazy. Yeah. I yeah, I actually kind of felt the same way with like even some of our trips. Like in the beginning, I had never even seen the ocean, and we had been to L.A. like 10 times. Yeah. And, and I just never had seen it because I'm like, I don't know, we're fucking working. Like we don't have time to do any of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're there, but you're you're not enjoying that stuff. Right? Yeah. You're there for business and we'll, we'll enjoy focused. that stuff later yeah mm-hmm. working hard now so you can enjoy that yeah right? exactly yeah so i got a question about like judging a bodybuilding contest because yeah. i i don't know how that shit works i know like when i was in gymnastics as a kid you know they would judge you based on you know how your feet are together your toes are pointed right. everything's like sharp how does like when you say you went head to head with this guy in russia yeah. And you guys, you know, came out really close. Yep. What is what does that mean exactly? Because I've never, I don't know what they look for. Like, I know mm-hmm. you guys are posing and doing your poses and shit. Yeah. How does that work? So it's actually fascinating. It's, it's a little complex because there's many divisions. So for the men, we've got like men's physique. That's the board shorts. Um, still got to be jacked. And then you've got classic physique. That's more of like looking at the proportions of that golden age of bodybuilding, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger era. Mm-hmm. That's that's my current division. I started in men's physique. Um, and then you've got 212 and open bodybuilding, which is if you are genetically gifted enough to get that big and full and round, then you, you know, as you're growing and evolving, a lot of times that's a better fit for the really mm. big guys. Um, but what they're looking for is different criteria based on division. And you've got kind of four or five basic ones like, 
you know, symmetry, proportions, overall conditioning, muscularity, and then stage poise, right? So stage poise would be like your ability to pose. So you're not scored directly on your posing, mm-hmm. but if let's say you're a smaller guy and you're competing against a guy that's a little bit bigger than you, if you're able to pose big and make your, it's an illusion, right? It's a sport of illusions. Yeah. If I can make myself look bigger and he's a terrible poser, I might beat him because the judges can only judge what they're seeing. Yeah. Right. So you get the subjectivity kind of like with gymnastics or ice skating or something like that uh, versus powerlifting. Right. Where it's you lifted the weight or you didn't lift the weight. Yep. It's yeah. objective. There's no if, ands, buts about it. Um, definitely when you're judging a physique, you're going to get subjectivity. Yeah. Right. Some 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 people might over reward or weight more heavily the um, conditioning, which means that they're shredded, super shredded. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to see every athlete super shredded. The other guy might overweight muscularity. And, hey, I don't care if he's a little bit softer than another guy, but, damn, he's, like, 10 pounds bigger than him, so I'm going to over-reward that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you have a panel of judges that, together, collectively, their scores add up, and that's how the placings end up working. Yeah, because it could just be yeah. straight-up opinion. Yeah, so they're comparing you guys in the pre-judging through different poses, different mm-hmm. posing rounds, and whoever's winning those poses. And um, once they roll those scores up, whoever has – Kind of like golf, the lowest score, right? The lowest amount of errors or flaws and the highest placing, that's who's going to win. So in yeah. a sense, it's kind of like boxing in the way that they need more than one judge because the everyone sees yeah. something different. That's exactly right. Okay. Yep, yep. everyone's going to see it a little bit different. That's interesting. Yeah, and you, you kind of got to take the reigning Olympia champ as the model physique for that division, right? Yeah. They've, they've clearly communicated this is the physique that they feel is the best. So as a coach, you kind of do a needs analysis. If TJ came up today and said, hey, Dre, coach me for a bodybuilding show, I would do a needs analysis, depending what division you're in, and say, all right, here's the Olympia champ that we want to kind of model your physique after, and here's the areas that we need to emphasize throughout your training. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Yeah. So is, it's is uh, what about like steroids, though? Are you do, mm-hmm. are people allowed, is it like legal to do steroids and go to a show? Yeah, like, so that's how a good does question. That um, you know, historically it's like that, it's like that Pandora's box that no one is comfortable about talking about. Mm-hmm. I'll say that that wall has kind of broken down over the last, not even 10 years, probably the last three to five years mm. where in the nineties, right. You had the Balco thing, you had baseball, you got Barry Bonds and you know, <laughs> yeah, Mark yeah, McGuire yeah. and his, why is his head so big? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and whereas today it's like a lot more talked about because of education and knowledge. So when you think about things like TRT protocols, right people now realize that hormones are an extremely important part in everyone's bodies whether you're a bodybuilder or you're a 60 year old mom who just wants to feel good look good perform better things like our estrogens our progesterones our testosterones are tools that our body needs to optimize to feel good and look good right so i think it's more widely acceptable to talk about today um, in terms of bodybuilding if you're doing a show or a league that's listed as a natural event, mm-hmm. then that means it is tested and you will get popped just like any other sport. If it is not listed as natural, it's kind of anything goes. It's right. Yeah. It's one of those untalked about things. Um, you know, what gives it a bad stigma are people that make very poor decisions, A, with their coaching or with what they're putting in their bodies because they want so bad to achieve the outcome that they're willing to put their, their health at risk, right? Mm-hmm. I call it substance abuse. There's a big difference between like going to the doctor and or going to Titan Medical Center and getting like a TRT protocol versus hardcore substance abuse where you're overdoing things, not under medical supervision at high dosages or mm-hmm. too long. Or, what is a TRT yeah. protocol? 
So that would be like your testosterone replacement therapy. Some people call it HRT, hormone replacement therapies, right? Okay. So as men age, as women age, our hormones change. For men, we start to lose a percentage of testosterone every year, right? What happens when you get up into your mid to late 30s, 40s, 50s, you struggle to maintain a healthy body composition, right? It's Even if you're genetically gifted, it becomes harder to hold on to your lean skeletal muscle mass. It becomes harder to drop unwanted body fat. For women, if they're estrogen dominant, it's going to force their bodies to hold extracellular water and fat retention in the legs, hips, thighs, right? Mm. Areas that they commonly struggle with when you see cellulite and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So that's why, uh, and beyond just the aesthetic look too, you've got the performance, right? So things like um, libido, things like energy, mood, concentration, all that stuff's related to your hormones. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of start there, just like we do a needs analysis physically, we do blood work and kind of look at key health indicators and uh, performance gaps. If your hormones are crashed out or there's something going on, right? Genetically, you're predisp- uh, predisposed to something. That's where you work with, you know, like a hormone specialist to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. So, but I know because I, um, my older brothers was huge into bodybuilding growing mm-hmm. up. And I know he worked out with a lot of people and, you know, just being around like huge bodybuilders. Like yeah. I learned, like, if you're taking, it's, it's pretty like, um, like if you're taking, a steroid or whatever you're taking to get mm-hmm. big, like that can offset your other levels, right? Of other things. So then you have to balance correct everything out. Yeah. So you have to understand that. Yeah. So you have to understand your hormones. I think two things, right? One is the misconception about what steroids does in the body. And then um, I think just looking at that piece first, people think that I'm going to take steroids and keep doing what I'm doing and I'm just going to get jacked. I'm going to look yeah. like Ronnie. You're going to get zero benefit from that. Okay. So steroids, um, if you take like an AAS, uh, AAS steroid like testosterone or a masteron or something like that, right? These are these are medical therapies that were developed and prescribed for very specific issues in the body, right? Mm-hmm. They've obviously been misused or used differently for the purpose of something like bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we think about any of that stuff, you're increasing muscle nitrogen, you're increasing protein synthesis. What that allows you to do, if you were only to train, uh, only able to train, let's say three, four days a week, um, hard because you're very sore and you need more time to recover, um, you know, you're not able to eat, and metabolize as much food as you probably could. That's where it's going to give you a benefit. It's going to allow you to work harder, right, and and start to accelerate your results and build muscle faster, right. Um, so they're agonists to building muscle, but I think that's one um, definitely big misconception is people think that. I'm going to take um, testosterone and all of a sudden I'm going to get jacked. Get right? jacked up, yeah. You know how hard, if that's the case, every bodybuilder on this planet would be an Olympian, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they're all trying with every yeah. ounce of energy they got. Yeah. The other thing about balancing the hormones, um, yes, if you don't know what you're doing and you're not doing this under medical supervision, you're self prescribed, don't recommend that. Um, you're going to throw your body out of whack, no doubt, right? I don't recommend playing with your hormones without being under medical supervision. Um, if you take too much testosterone, right, it's going to take two pathways. One is DHT, which is all the, when you see people get like acne and their hair starts to fall out, um, you know, they get all the, um, other side effects that they don't want. Right. Um, or you're going to get other issues like gynecomastia, um, stuff like that because your estrogens are getting too high for men. It's E2 or estradiol. Yeah. So these are things where you need to understand what you're doing in the body and understand these processes and pathways. Um, don't, again, I don't recommend self prescribing for that, right? A, it's dangerous to your health. Then B, 
probably legal. So you should probably work <laughs> through, uh, you know, your, your medical doctor. Um, yeah. here's the, here's the other interesting, fascinating thing to me is, um, one thing I love about like Titan Medical Center, one of my sponsors, big shout out to John and Sharice is if you look at the male body, they're going to say natural testosterone levels should be somewhere between let's say 200 and 930. Okay. Somewhere in this range, it's a pretty big range, right? Yeah, yeah, it is a big range. So think about right now, you're 23, you go get tested. Let's say you're at 900. You're like, dude, I'm an animal. I feel great. You're 30, you're at 500. You're 40, you're at 201. They will not prescribe you TRT because you're still in a normal range. Do you think you're going to feel good at 201 when you used to be 900? You're probably mm-hmm. not going to feel no. the same as you're what you feel were like feeling. Crap, no. right? You're going to be lethargic. You're not going to have energy, all that stuff. So that's one reason why we would have somebody go do blood work with like Titan Medical Center. They're able to say, all right, look, yes, you're kind of in this range, but it's so low that you could optimize this and get you back up to that kind of 800, 900 level um, with our HRT medical treatments and make you feel like you did 10 years ago. Right. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's some of the misconceptions and things that people should just be aware of. Same thing for women though. You know, women also produce testosterone and obviously, much lower amounts, right? Mm-hmm. And then they um, have things like the menstrual cycle. They have premenopause, they have pregnancy, they have postmenopause. It's a lot more complex than what we have to do. Yeah, with. yeah, for sure. So you definitely want to have shout out to the women. Shout man. out to the women, man. They go through. Um, it. They go through it, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, um, I think this this month was uh, the uh, Women's History Month. So. Yep. Hell yeah, yeah, and I coach like 90, 95% women, as you guys have seen. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into it. So you got to understand the, the female body for sure. Yeah, for sure. You're very knowledgeable when it comes to this shit. Like, I can't believe, like, all the knowledge you just gave us. Like, someone listening could learn a lot from all the shit you just told us. Oh, for sure. I love it. I live it, breathe it every day, every single day. Yep. Well, shit, man. I think it's about that time we're going to wrap up. Um, we're, we've been going for a while, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we to might, be continued. To be continued. Part two <laughs> coming soon. Andre, thank you for pulling up to the crib, bro. I learned a lot this session, so yep. this is crazy. Um, it's your boy T-Jazz with the Everyone's Different podcast. Young Trench. Young Peace Trench, out, guys. the co-host. Andre, thanks for pulling up, man. All right, guys. Pleasure to have have me on the episode. I want that rematch soon, too, T- yeah. TJ. Yeah, we're going to get Maybe on the first yeah. one. We're going to do it at first one. <laughs> we're going to get on the court, but make sure you guys check out Andre. All of his social medias will be in the description. Click the link. Go check out Snap Fitness Kenosha. A lot of big things coming soon. Peace, guys. Later. Hey.